This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, back once again with my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Very well, Al. Happy to be back here with you, as always. Yes, and joining us for the first time, somebody we've wanted to have on for, for quite a while, uh, PWI contributing writer, kind of our Italian correspondent, Frank Mandolini. How are you? Yeah, I like this title of Italian correspondent for <laughs> PWI. <Yeah. laughs> for for I'm, our huge Italian wrestling coverage. <laughs> it's it's very good to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Lots to uh, talk about um, with, of course, the PWI 500 on stands. We talked about it uh, last time. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the feedback. We've gotten uh, a lot of news to cover uh, with uh, comings and goings, both on the AEW side and the WWE side. And um, we've got uh, also a pay-per-view coming up um, this weekend as we're recording this. Before we get to all that, uh, Frank, let's get to know you a little bit better um, how, how long have you been writing for PWI? How did you come to write for PWI? What, what's some of your background? Yeah, uh, through my podcast, the Last Minute Wrestling Podcast, uh, which is currently on IATUS, I had the chance to, to know uh, Brian Solomon here, your co-host, and uh, later uh, Kevin McIlvaney, the editor-in-chief of PWI. And uh, it came up that I was a journalist. I work uh, as a journalist and as a copywriter here in Italy. And uh, I'm trained in uh, also in uh, English journalism because I studied in London. Uh, therefore, it was a no-brainer just to try to see if we could do something together. And uh, that's basically how I became the first ever Italian, like, born in Italy um, to contribute for uh, for PWI, at least as far as we were able to dig on the on the yeah. archives. Yeah, I think uh, Matt Brock might, might have been from a, a small village. Yes, he changed his name. It was Brocco originally. <laughs> yeah. It was an Ellis Island job. You know how it goes. Yeah, Matt, Matt Brock contributed something to uh, the PWI 500 back in, in the magazine for quite a while. So... so so you want you want to say I'm not the first one? You're taking the crown away from uh, me. What what is the the pro wrestling? Scene? <laughs> yeah. What what is the pro wrestling scene in in Italy? I mean, is it um, uh, largely uh, WWE? Um, what's the penetration yes. there of, of AEW? And how much is, uh, is there original Italian wrestling going on there? Um, original Italian wrestling, not so much. I would say just in the last twenty years, and uh, just like around the area of Milan. Uh, which is the the place where you can watch more wrestling shows, which happen like every two or three months, I would say, each year. And uh, originally, well, uh, wrestling came in Italy first, I think, through through Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Actually, the Ultimate Warrior was way more famous here in Italy than it than than Hogan was. You Italian, uh, forget the, it. The guy, the guys of my generation, I remember when we were like. Five years old, uh, we remember the Ultimate Warrior and and the little toys, the Hasbro toys, I think it was. And uh, but then for a few years it was absolutely nothing. Then we had just a little bit of WCW. I remember Goldberg, uh, like in '99 slash 2000, but was taken away from television again. 
then then wrestling was really booming here from like 2004 to 2007 that's uh, so that was kind of a down period here oh here was absolutely booming in fact in that same era you had like uh santino marella which debuted in italy right. in milan which was 2007 uh, it was because of that because it was a, a huge market italy i think at the time but yeah. then Complete darkness, and now with AEW is on um, on the satellite television, which not many people reach, but of but it's still a big deal to be to be there. But it's not what, what, mainstream stuff at all. When is the last time WWE's been in Italy? I think they come at least once a year when they really? do like they their WrestleMania revival tour immediately in April when they tour Europe. They come like probably once a year, like in Milan, and that's it. Have you been able to go? No, never. Never. Really? Yeah. Never been at the WWE show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being here in the Northeast, uh, we talk about this sometimes, Brian, we're we're beyond spoiled (laughs) how much we get. I mean, I'm probably good with minimal effort to go to six to 10 WWE shows a year. Well, I still I even remember when I was a kid they would still they were still coming to the garden I would say like five or six times a year a year Madison Square Garden you know and uh, and I would go to every one of those things so yeah I think they did I think years ago didn't they do a title change somewhere in Italy or what am I thinking of Yeah uh, Nunzio won uh, at the house show in Rome the, he won the cruiserweight title That's right Yes Yeah in 2005 I think it was Okay yeah Every now and then they'll do one of those. I know, I think in the 80s, I think they switched the women's title at a house show in Paris. Or, or they'll do that, you know, they'll, they'll on, on one of their tours just to let the fans know, hey, anything can happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's where Sherry won the title, I think. I right? think so. It was either her or maybe Rock and Robin. One of those happened in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that being in one of the old uh, Coliseum videos. Uh, anyhow, great having you on, uh, Frank. Uh, hopefully, the connection is is good enough. And ironically, like the connection problems is with the guy in in New York, not with the person on the other <laughs> side of the world. Um, so I hope we. Anyway, a, a lot to talk about uh, again uh, with all the comings and goings in AWN, WWE. Uh, before that, let's talk a little bit about the PWI 500, the thirty first. I always forget. I think it's the thirty first uh, edition. We started Probably. back in ninety one. Um, and, uh, again, now we have, people have had a few weeks to digest it. Uh, Brian, I'll ask you, what, what, what do you think the feedback has been? I think it's probably been largely positive. I mean, not as much controversy as, as yeah. the, the one I've heard this year, um, come up some, you know, outside of like Naito, which was just a mistake, uh, is Will Ospreay, you know, Will not being in, in the top 10. Well, yeah, but you can't please everybody. Cause then you got a, one thing I kept hearing a lot of is what the hell is Vikingo doing at number five? <laughs> That was a big one, yeah. or or even Josh Alexander, you know, and and I think some of that is sometimes it's not understanding the criteria. Sometimes it's people who, and this is not this is just a statement of fact. People who simply don't watch as many different wrestling companies as a lot of us do, or at least follow them, just because it's what we do in order to put this list together. So they don't have as much of an awareness, maybe. But I think. It's been a quieter year. I think this is this is something that I feel like is the reason why um, I thought, and because one thing everybody's saying is, oh, they clearly planned this Shield one two three thing. It's a marketing thing, and I'm like, no, I was there. 
I was in the group. It, <laughs> I was the one who said, like, hey, guys, we have the shield in the top three spots. I don't think we even planned to do that. So it was not planned. Um, but the Rollins thing, I really thought we were going to get killed for that, and we didn't. <laughs> and to me, I think that really speaks to the fact that I think a lot of people are actually on the same page of going, you know, Roman Reigns never wrestles. He's got to he's got to work more. Like I think people understood why we didn't have him at number 1 even though he is clearly the top star in pro wrestling today. He simply doesn't wrestle anymore. I mean, he's wrestled what twice since WrestleMania. So, you know, I think uh, I, that's why I think we didn't get nearly as much pushback as I thought we were going to get. Yeah, and, and it's become even more ridiculous. And maybe that's not the right word, but... Uh, you know, it is I, the right word because they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're putting it out there you like, oh, him. the long title reign, he's passing every milestone. The guy never wrestles. You could put the belt <laughs> on me and have me sit home with it for two years and say, I'm the longest reigning champion. And, you know, come on, it, it is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah kind of easy like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is that like they're they're still trying to push uh, the bloodline as this this huge act. And it it almost reminds me of like when they they'd feature the NWO on WCW Saturday night and it was Stevie Ray and um you know Brian Adams or something. Uh right. and that's that's it's the B team. It, it you know, very much it it is a solo and Jimmy Uso. Uh, who do great work, but I mean, they're neither Roman or even Jey Uso uh, headlining a, a pay-per-view. And at least before there there was a constant presence of Roman, if he wasn't um, wrestling that often, I feel like we never even see the guy now. I mean, he's just DOA. I mean, not D. I'm sorry. They just uh, MIA. MIA. But they, MIA. Just did, they announced uh, his next appearance. Apparently, he's wrestling Sami Zayn on a house show. Sometime this month, I think towards the end of the month, and they were really touting it heavily because I guess it's like his first, basically, it's like his first house show, I think, since uh, he wrestled Sami Zayn. He wrestled Ray Mysterio earlier in the year yeah. at a house show. I think that was one of his last defenses. And if he, not had, last he, one, yeah. he did have one against Sami Zayn after Elimination Chamber. Um, and I think that's the last time. So this might be like his second house show appearance of the year or something like that. Yeah, See that's 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 my something. problem I've had with it, and I've said it before. It's not like it's not like I'm going, you know, I'm not looking at it from the kayfabe point of view of he has to defend the title more. Or, you know, the idea is you have to give people their money's worth. Like people are coming out <laughs> to see WWE. They want to see you. You're the you're the show. You know, that's like coming out. They wanted to see John Cena. They wanted to see Stone Cold. They wanted to see Hulk Hogan. They put those guys out there. You got to give you know customers paying customers their money's worth and it's just it just doesn't feel right to me at all that said you know wwe's doing huge business including live business uh at shows with what they have so you know i I guess who's to criticize if if they the reality (laughs) is they do have a hot product that seems to be moving along um just fine in in all the metrics without roman as a regular part of it cody's a, a big part of it I imagine Cena being back is, is part of it, but but they're doing fine. Uh, uh, Frank, I'll, I'll ask you about it. I mean, what were your thoughts on, on Roman being as kind of elusive a, a figure as he is? And uh, is does it sour you on the WWE product that you don't see him at all? <laughs> well, um, I guess that clearly the, deci- the decision that has been made, not just now, but a few years ago, is just to make the brand important. 
So WWE is important, and uh, you don't uh, you don't have a clear star. Uh, I don't have like I, I'm not 100 sure of what I'm about to say, but uh, I don't think that the average person on the street may or may not recognize Roman Reigns. So uh, they may be they they may recognize John Cena, of course, for obvious reasons. But uh, now, uh, yeah, for us fans, we are in the bubble and uh, we we perceive things differently. And and I like I'm a I'm a romantic guy. I like to think that uh, the uh, the champion should defend this title on every main event and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, probably it's at least clearly to me from a marketing standpoint, the decision is that that the brand sells itself and it, uh, it doesn't matter who's on the card. Uh, and uh, lately we've been seeing, uh, we saw AEW doing the same with Wembley show, but that, that was a little bit different in my opinion. But um, lately the last two pay-per-views, uh, I think the WWE did not announce a single match or just maybe just one match announced prior to the pay-per-view or something like that. So that's, they know what they're doing if they do like like this. So yeah, that, I think that's a hundred percent a marketing choice, not not much a wrestling choice. No, yeah, it, it it's definitely a different strategy, and 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 it's a good point that you know, right, you know, Brian, you were just talking about kind of like the days of the old house show loops, and I watched some of those old uh, tapes back, and you know, week to week and month to month, it was about driving home this match. You'll get to see Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter in a Desert Storm match, and. And that's what sold the tickets. And and the last WWE house show that came around here uh, that I got to go to about a month ago at the Nassau Coliseum, um, you know, if if they did announce a match, I, I'm not sure I was even aware of it. And they drew a really good house, you know. And, right. And, and, and AEW you- drew 80,000 fans before they announced the single match. But really, I guess it's just a, a different um, time, a different strategy. And looks like it's working it's a different type of fan clearly and it's very clear because even when you go to those shows you can tell and when you one thing that's always really illuminating because a lot of times if i'm trying to find because i report on house show results occasionally and i'll do i'll search the hashtags because on twitter to see what's going on because people will tweet wwe boise or whatever if they're in idaho and all that kind of thing and the people that go and are the most excited they are like they made it into just basically a live event experience like you're going to the circus. You can tell, like, they're yes. not particularly – they don't care what matches they're going to see. They don't. They're going there to experience WWE. They've got the belt. They've got the T-shirt, the hat. They're going to buy things for their kids. They're go- it's a family experience. It is not like the old days where that crowd was packed in there to see, like, this guy wrestle this guy. It's just, At least on house shows. It's a very different thing. And the thing with Roman is weird now because, you know, he's not on house shows. He's barely even on television or pay-per-views <laughs> now at this point. And it's this clearly now to me transparent thing where all they're going for is just having him hold it as long as possible. Maybe they're thinking of the Hogan record now, which is about a year away or less. And it's like, they're going, they're at the point where they just kind of want to have their cake and eat it too. So the creation of the Seth Rollins title. That's what it was all about. It's like, well, we'd like to have a world champion on TV, but we don't want to have to take the title off a of Roman. So what do we do? Well, we just make another one. Like everything is being, they're bending over backwards just to have him hold this belt as long as possible. 
at the point now where I, I'm just saying, like, why? <laughs> why is that so important right now? Above everything else, it's such a strange thing. Um, but I think that's what it is. They just want to see, see how long they could keep it going for. I think that's the other sign of the coin. I mean, it's probably my my perception is that the bloodline saga has kind of jumped the shark. Maybe not totally, but we're getting there. And uh, so, as you said before, I think it was Al that mentioned uh, that they're 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 putting the B team forward now <laughs> in this moment. And uh, yeah, probably yeah, they want to milk it as long as they can. And I'm pretty sure that they also don't want to depend on a singular star. I'm sure that sure. when Austin left, it was a big problem backstage. When The Rock left, same and stuff like that. So now, now they do not have to worry if Roman Reigns wants to, I don't know, join his cousin in Hollywood or stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the it, it, it has died down. It's sort of like a lull right now. I do think that the plan is to heat the... the the bloodline uh, back up and uh, clearly again, they knew, they knew what they were doing when they put the title or created this title for Seth, because uh, I don't think even fans could have anticipated that, that Roman would be as inactive as uh, he is now. Um, And, you know, it does start to create some resentment, I think among, among fans, the flip side of that is, does it become that much bigger a deal? You know, and, and if, he wrestles at it's not even look like he's going to wrestle at survivor series but the rumble or saudi arabia mm-hmm. or certainly mania if and when they do uh cody and and roman uh at, at mania is it that bigger a deal because now you know sort, sort of like the 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 goldberg or the brock lesnar kind of um special attraction roman reigns has become that it's crazy because he's a defending champion but he is beyond mm-hmm. the part-time player he's he's never around um but you know, I just I hope the payoff is is worth it. Uh, but real quick, we're, we're plugging the magazine, the Peter Gray Five Hundred. You can read about Roman, our number two this year. Um, as we mentioned, Seth Marlins number one, Moxley uh, number three, and four hundred and ninety-seven more in the issue. Uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated got an extra, I think, sixteen pages uh, of content, um, tons of analysis, and uh, just a really fun issue. Uh, go to PWI High online.com and check it out subscribe download it uh whatever you like we got combo packages now so you could get both and um certainly in all cases a uh, a big discount over uh the cover price also i'm reminded of flipping the magazine over you could uh, get some really cool uh back issues from our archives so uh go over to pwi-online.com uh and check it out how am i sounding to you guys great good pretty good, good. pretty good we've had Okay, so so let's talk a little bit uh, a current event. The, the uh, oh, oh, now you're muted. <clears throat> we spoke too soon. Yeah, I made the mistake of moving my mic. Um, and can you hear me now? Yes. yes. All right. I don't know if I'm on the right mic though. Let's see. All right. Well, I'll I'll plug it anyway. I'm sorry if my maybe my audio quality is not. How how do I sound audio wise? Good. Very good. Right now, okay. All right. Let's move ahead. <laughs> Adam Copeland, the former, former Edge, shows up at uh, AEW Russell Dream uh, last week. Kind of a surprise, even though I guess it had been discussed since um, his WWE contract um, ran out. But for, for a lot of people, 
myself included, it was just sort of like unthinkable, even though I guess it was technically a possibility. And even Edge kind of signaled that it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think something about this was surprising because it was like, really? You, you want to go to AEW? I mean, um, <laughs> you know, frankly, I think for, for a lot of people, they, they saw it as sort of a step down, uh, a, a demotion for a guy. Uh, and that's not, not even necessarily meant as as a slight towards AEW, but um, the reality that this guy was a giant in WWE and, and already a Hall of Famer and, you know, a guy who who was held up as one of their, their top stars and legends. Uh, as people noted, the same night that uh, uh, Adam Copeland debuted on pay-per-view, uh, for for AEW, WWE drew more people at a house show um, in in California. So um, and and Edge just came off of performing in front of eighty thousand fans at, at WrestleMania. So I think for some people it was like, I think they're surprised that he would want to do this. Um, but you know, I think he's shared a little bit more uh, since then. And it sounds like a guy who really loves wrestling, wants to wrestle some more, wants to uh, have some matches that he's never had before. Um, and is yeah. is doing it for for reasons that maybe fans wouldn't um, necessarily automatically connect with, uh, but but it sounds like his his motivations are pure, and uh, you know where I'm at is good for you. Have some fun. What do you guys think? What uh, uh, Frank, you you want to take that? Oh yeah, um, yeah. My yeah, yeah my my uh, my feeling is more or less the same. It's okay. He clearly wants to have some fun and uh, some new fresh matchups. That's okay. That's cool. He probably gets paid a lot of money, probably more than what WWE were willing to pay him at this stage. Because yes, to my understanding, there was a problem with the negotiation negotiation as well because of that. Because Edge is this, is an established name, but probably it wasn't uh, like the big draw that WWE hoped it would have been in this second run in the company. And they probably did not reach an agreement, or at least that's what they get from what, what has come out uh, publicly. So uh, yeah, probably everyone involved is happy and, and that's cool for them. However, seeing Edge in, a, in, in an AEW ring, it did not feel quite uh, right to me. I don't know why. Probably, uh, it probably is because, as I said, mentioned earlier, I grew up uh, during uh, uh, the ruthless aggression era. You saw my line, the ruthless aggression era, and in my eyes, Edge is like one level above what I saw when when he came out, and uh, it was it was like it was like uh, I don't know. Uh, a bigger star in a small pond or something like that. I don't want to disparage AEW, but that that's the the feeling I got. There was something off, clearly off during his debut. Yeah, and it had nothing to do with him because I think he was amazing and yes. he's always a great promo. This was no exception. I thought the segment itself was great uh with him and and Christian. I thought that was very cool and just clearly this idea that I think you know, it's all eventually going to get to the Edge and Christian reunion kind of thing and, and mm -hmm. do all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting to get there. But like you said, it's something different. I know a lot of people were pointing out that when he came out to do his entrance, his trademark entrance where he runs to both sides of the ramp, he 
he only ran to one side of the ramp because there really aren't any other any people on the other side on the hard <laughs> camera side. Uh, but my understanding of what happened is that basically WWE wanted to kind of um, uh, what's the word like um, more kind of move him back into the legend status in the background legends contract you're still with us but we're not really gonna you're not like a top guy you're not gonna be like in the mix and this is what we're gonna pay you and i don't think that's what he wanted and i think that i think that's what it comes down to and AEW, we're gonna pay him more they were gonna feature him prominently they were gonna allow him to still be a top guy and that's what he's trying to do is to extend that and extend that it's really interesting to me because it also shows a lot how the wrestler mentality has changed over the years because I mean, look, I'm making assumptions here, but edge has been a top guy for a really long time. And I'm assuming that he's made a lot of really good money in the business. And I'm further assuming that he's managed his money really well and he's doing okay. What I'm trying to say is I don't think edge really needs money. So it's interesting to me how, like, I remember a time when wrestlers would, would work, out ways to try to get paid without wrestling like they were they were always going on these lloyds of london policies and faking injuries or milking injuries or trying to get acting jobs so that they didn't have to wrestle you know those guys were so much more carnies and now you you know with fan wrestlers like edge who are you know they have more of the fan mentality it's like they want to they want to they just love doing it and they're going to keep doing it even when they don't need to do it and even when they don't need the money and there's something admirable about that i just hope that his health is okay and that it's not one of these situations where you know they're just going to pay him but maybe not be as as responsible as WWE would be because we all know WWE is also very very cautious with medically clearing talent so Maybe that was part of it too. Like, you know, we're not a hundred percent sure that you can still do this, but you know, whatever the case, I, I think it's good to see people jump back and forth. I think that's what wrestling's all about. I don't subscribe to this tribe mentality. Like you have to be with one company for your whole career. I think those are people that just maybe never really knew anything different other than one company in the wrestling business. So I think it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for AEW, so you know I'm I'm letting it play out. Yeah, uh, I I really do think uh, uh, Copeland's, um, and I got to get used to saying that his motivations are pure. I really think he he's thinking well before I retire, I'd love to have a match with Kenny Omega. I never worked with John Moxley, and you know mm -hmm. th there are all these um, really interesting matchups, and I think a lot of it probably is getting back together with his old buddy, a uh, Christian. As far as what it means for AW, I'm not sure, you know, because I do think they already, you know, I just saw a poster for um, some event and you you see like uh, the whole roster and who they're trying to feature. And that front line is uh, Adam Copeland and um, I think it's uh, Moxley and Brian Danielson. I think Jericho's in there. And I think for the casual fan or even the non-casual fan and, and, you know, my kid walked into the room when when uh, Copeland was coming out. It just seems a little, I don't know, TNA 2010, you know, especially <laughs> because the, the presentation is so WWE, right? I mean, he's, they're calling him the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland. Not the music? Coming out with the same music. 
Yeah, all of it. And different even than than Moxley or or Brian Danielson or all these other guys who came through WWE. They they had um, reputations and careers and identities before they went to WWE. And then they kind of fleshed them out further and became bigger stars there. Edge is wholly a WWE product, right? I mean, he, he this is really where he, he uh, spent his entire career. And him going over to AW with the exact same presentation, some of it, I don't know. I, I don't know what the word is, but but it, it does feel, and, and given especially that he's in his 50s now, and a terrific athlete, looks great. None of this is criticism, but AW kind of going all in on a guy who so clearly is like, It, it reminds me of, you know, TNA 2010 and when they went all in on, on Hogan or Nash or, or, or these guys. Um, I don't know. And again, if, if, if he was the only one, it, it would be one thing. But at this point, it really is like if you used to work for WWE, come on over, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's as, probably as, why I said uh, why I said something was off as well, because we are, uh, he had the same presentation as you said same music same entrance same everything but the environment was different so probably that that was one of the factors that uh, made it made it a little bit weird i don't know you can also have john cena enter with the same music and same right. t-shirts and stuff like that but it will seem it will seem off you know that's that's probably what i what i meant earlier yeah yeah i mean um and Look, in as much as putting on really great matches, I think he could put on really great matches. I mean, I th- I think yeah. you put him in there with a Kenny Omega and they could do something really special. So that part of it, um, I totally get. I don't know how much it means in terms of business um, for them, how much of a, a needle mover uh, Adam Copeland um, would be. You know, I it, in, in terms of what it means for the company, I think it's um, at least a notch below punk when they signed punk yeah um probably mm-hmm. in the range of of brian danielson and maybe even a step below because danielson's Lower. younger and and um uh you know i think more adept at that style that AEW uh puts on um but i don't know i think they got to tread carefully especially because that that roster is so huge and there's already like this long queue of guys waiting to to get their break and now putting in another former WWE guy at the front of the line in his fifties. Be careful, you know, but I'm not trying to be kind of a downer about it because it was a really cool moment when I saw it, I got a kick out of it. You know, um, it, it's something special. Let me ask you guys uh, this kind of related a topic. What ultimately, I mean, from a news story, I know what the answer is, but in terms of a business move, what could mean more? Um, Adam Copeland going to WWE or Jade Cargill coming over? Or, I'm sorry, Adam Copeland going to AEW or Jade Cargill coming over to to WWE? I right. think I think it's Jade Cargill, and I think it's it's because of her potential. It's because she, you know, Edge is somebody who was on the way down in his career. Clearly, this is like a you know, it's felt like an extended farewell tour for like five years, but. Um, with Jade, it's like she hasn't even gotten started yet, you know. And, w- and let me tell you, WWE is going to make sure that it's more impactful. You could already see, like, they are prepping her in a way that you almost never see. Like, I don't even think there was this much of a hullabaloo when they were getting Cody back. And I don't know if maybe that was because 
they were trying to keep it more of a secret for WrestleMania. I don't know. But, I mean, they are ramping her up to the moon to the point where – and it also shows a lot of um, – I don't know. It seems like they – they. Uh, what's interesting to me, what I'm trying to say is very often WWE doesn't give the audience credit enough for knowing who people necessarily are. Like with Cody, there was a sense of, okay, well, at least he's been here before. And, you know, there's that we can, we can, we can build, we can build on that. And he was kind of like the guy in AEW, you know, from here and there. But with Jade, it's impressive to me because they're saying like, we're not going to change her name. That's her name. We're going to make a big deal about it online because we know people are excited about this. Like, I think that's a really good, it's something you you never see WWE do enough. And it's a really good way, like if you're getting somebody who, you know, take advantage of the reasons why you're bringing them in. Don't you don't feel the need to have to start from scratch, pretend like they never existed before. You're losing some of the value of why you brought them in. So what I'm saying is they are going to make sure that this is a very big deal. And I think the WWE, I think she is tailor made for the we've said this for years for the WWE product. Again, even some of her weaknesses, you know, you don't have to be the best worker in the world. They will work around yeah. you. They will make you look good. This is not the dream match company. You know what I mean? Like, this is the star company. This is where she belongs. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think it's a feather in the cap in, in a weird way for AW because it gives them uh, mm-hmm. credibility. I mean, this is the first um, I, that I can think of. Maybe there's some others that, that I'm not thinking of, but the real kind of first fully AEW created star. Yes. That WWE jumped on, signed, and is really showcasing. And it what it tells you is that AEW can create a star, you know. And I, I think that's um, what they did here. And as much as WWE, you know, poo poos any kind of like a claim that that they look at AEW's competition, I think this all but but proves it in that um, they're so kind of like braggadocious of look, we we got her from you. <laughs> Um, so it, it, it clearly is, it's a big deal, but, but Frank, I, I, I gotta say like, um, and, and Jade's fine in the ring and has gotten better, but she's not Bianca Belair. She, she's not Charlotte. She's not Becky Lynch. Um, she's still young in the business, but I, I, I do wonder, uh, you know, is, is WWE putting too much stock, uh, in, in Jade? Is there a ceiling there that the reality, you know, is, is she more Goldberg than Steve Austin? <laughs> that's a nice way to put it uh probably she's more goldberg but there's that's no shame in that in my opinion i mean uh she uh one, one i think one of the the main values that jay cargill has is that she has a pretty good uh sports background athletic background at high level that means that she is coachable probably that's why we we saw her uh, immediately rise to to this uh, prominent level in AEW, which she wasn't ready probably for, but she had the look and she could learn on the job. And uh, in WWE, they 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 will have the best coaches looking out for her, right? And uh, so I I think that uh, she can be a, a great star in the future. She already has the look, which is. Perfect for WWE. She she's in the star company, as, as we said before, and uh, and if she has the will to train and to keep getting better, which I'm sure she does, um, 
she she always appears to be a little a little bit too braggy uh, on interviews and stuff like that. But uh, her past speaks for herself. I mean, she she has this this level of of coachability of being coachable, and uh, that that is something that has to be taken into account, in my opinion. And I think, yeah, go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say I think that's interesting because it's very true. It almost sounds like a contradiction, but it's so true. It's like you know, AEW is the company that's more known for you know putting together the dream matches and really thinking of like what's going to be the best kind of work rate match. But ironically, WWE does has a far better track record of training and preparing talent when you the wrestlers there more and and this is a reason why their detractors don't like WWE but the wrestlers there are more polished in their work than anywhere else in my opinion my opinion yes. it doesn't always mean that they have the best kind of Meltzer style of five star matches and all that but they are the most polished all around workers in the business and so you know they will get her to where they need her to be I have no doubt about that because they're really good at that. Whereas AEW, it's more like they rely more on people coming in and already knowing how to do stuff and coming from the indie scene and working the indie style. People who are not and look, I I, I have contacts on the inside. I speak from <laughs> knowledge. People who don't want to be coached, okay, who aren't really interested in learning, who think that they know already a lot of a lot of the rumors you hear about that are true um they they just are um it's a place where people they like to do their stuff that they want to do their way and that can result sometimes in a sloppy kind of a product some fans enjoy that aspect though they like the indie rific style of aew with a big budget right it's like like people say it's like an indie with a giant budget some people love that but i think again this is another reason why WWE is the better company for her. As we saw, she couldn't really thrive to where she needed to get to in a place like AEW. I mean, they were actively keeping her away from the main scene in the women's division where it got to the point where you were like, what is Jade doing over there? Like, they're all over here. She's in a bubble over there. And we find out, like, I guess some of them didn't want to work with her. or Who knows? There are a lot of politics going on. And now that she's going over there, it almost makes it even more glaring. You have this person who's clearly a star who is going to be in the mix. I have no doubt in WWE. And it's and it's going to cause a lot of people to ask, why the hell weren't they doing that with her in AEW? And I just don't know if it's the kind of place where they could get somebody like Jade Cargill to the point that she needs to be at. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good point you bring that the difference might be the the development, the, the training there. And I, I don't I've never really heard of of I mean, I'm sure there's uh, in AW, they they run through matches, uh, what have you. But but this is a huge part of WWE's business uh, is developmental and, and getting people uh, ready. And sometimes WWE even gets flack about getting people who come over with some uh, brand recognition and they send them to, to NXT uh, and, and sometimes I think it's it's the the wrong uh, call in this case, and I don't know if she actually ever you know appears on NXT, but but clearly they're smart to to want to give her more training, more development, um, because you know the reality is more than anything, um, I think what they're getting out of Jade is that incredible look, right? I mean, she looks like a 
superhero. She she's um it, it and you know if you could take that and get something out of it, it it's worth it. I mean, and and this is not you know some crazy uh, thought. This was the Road Warriors, right? I mean, like yes. uh, guys with like yeah. an incredible look and marginal wrestling uh, ability. And had you know maybe the most successful. It's your team ever. So, your pal, the and, ultimate warrior, the ultimate, the ultimate warrior. warrior. Right? Yeah, it's true. A technician, if I, if I ever saw one. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's like that. Th- th- this this is a formula uh, that works, and um, yeah, I think WWE is sort of uniquely suited to spot that and then develop it. And it's not to say that she can't ever you know reach a certain level, but but even if you could only get her part of the of the way there, she could be worth a ton of money. So. Um, they're smart to do it. Let, let's talk about some other comings and goings. These not as good news for anybody because it's it's just people um, losing their their jobs. And um, Brian, I think it was the, the last podcast that we talked a little bit about this when it was happening on on the office side. But then Hammer fell, and and we did see um, a, a lot of uh, releases on the talent side. Nobody earth shattering. I mean, this wasn't like a few years ago when we saw Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt, some top guys get uh, released. Um, I think, you know, the, the names that kind of like made people take notice were Dolph Ziggler and um, Mustafa Ali and who am I forgetting? Um, Shelton Benjamin to a lesser extent. Elias. Elias. Uh, Matt- Elias, I thought, Matt- yeah, was. But they were all people who were not being really featured. They, they, they didn't take anybody who was like in the middle of a big program or, or you know, was doing something prominent on TV and just like disappear them. Uh, that didn't happen. They, they obviously, you know, they looked at this roster and they just literally said, who are the people that we can get rid of right now? And it wouldn't really make a huge impact on the TV product. That's what they did. That is yeah. And I think it's also. Uh, by and large, people who who were given opportunities and lots of opportunities, right? So these, these aren't people that like, oh, but you never even got to see what this person could do. And maybe they didn't do enough to, to get this, um, get the most out of them. But these were all people who we saw introduced and reintroduced and put in different uh, storylines. So they they did get a break and, um, you know, it, it just didn't work out. For, for, for me, the one that I was uh, kind of most upset to see was Dolph Ziggler. Just because, sort of like Edge, you know, a WWE lifer and uh, mm-hmm. a guy who I think has done so much for this company. He, he's a guy who you could always uh, call on to fill a certain uh, a spot um, in a storyline or a roster and deliver. You know, last year they moved him over NXT and and he was sort of uh, the, the featured guy in NXT for a while. Won, won the title, headlined their their big show over WrestleMania, and always delivers um, in that. Crap, I've seen cutting out. Uh, for, 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 for whatever loyalty it's worth, it, it bothered me to see that a guy who was there for whatever's 20 years, and you saw some of the metrics that were out there about wrestling 1,200 matches or whatever, that he could just kind of be given the boot uh, bothered me. I wish there was a way that that they could keep him. And I guess there's some talk that, that maybe they are looking to find some role for him um, uh, backstage or in an authority p- position, something like that which I'd like to see. I also get that maybe after him being there that long, he's making a whole lot of money and it's tough to justify that kind of salary for a guy who you're not getting that much product out of. Um, but uh, yeah, Ziggler's a guy who, 
you know, by by WWE standards, I think it's like a WWE Hall of Famer. You know, I I, I think he's had definitely. that long of a career. He had a uh, great run. I mean, a great run. You can't. I mean, almost twenty years. Um, you know, not everybody is going to be a, the main event. You know what I mean? That doesn't. That's not the metric for determining if you had a great run. In my opinion, he had an amazing run. Everything has to come to an end at some point. I'm not, you know, trying to be cold-hearted, but I mean, I don't think he has anything <laughs> to complain about. Good God, like a 20-year run. I'm sure he's. I hope he's like set financially, like he should be. Uh, you know, if, if you take care of yourself and your money and stuff. And I mean, like he's always going to find work. I mean, he's a guy that could pop up anywhere and command a decent price. I think. You know. Absolutely. And I, f I think that we, we just spoke about uh, some wrestlers that even though they weren't that good, they they did good for themselves inside the wrestling business, right? Yeah, yeah. I think with Dolph Ziggler, we are on the opposite side of the spectrum here. I think he's always been too good. That that was always his problem because with a wrestler as good as Dolph Ziggler, he, he has been used always to put over like uh, some shiny new toys, you know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if, if I think like every, every newcomer that WWE had in the last, I don't know, 15 years or something, their first feud was always Dolph Ziggler. I remember when Shinsuke Nakamura debuted on the main roster immediately against Ziggler. When they gave the title to Dean Ambrose, the only time he won the WWE title, he went to SummerSlam and faced Dolph Ziggler, which I mean, if you want to, if you want to make your like current prospect look good, you go against somebody like Dolph because you're damn sure that he's gonna make you look good, and uh, that, that that was always his limit, at least in my eyes, that it was too good for his own good. But that's okay to me. That I mean, that was his role, and I, and he was really good in it oh, yeah. a lot. So many times the guys. It's almost like a badge of honor. I got to say, well, they trusted him. Like they knew, you know, he was like in, in generations gone by like somebody like a Johnny Rods who was like, people will laugh because he loses every match. But meanwhile, he's the best damn worker they have on the roster. Like, like he was that type of a guy. Like he could work with anybody. He can make anybody look great. He was like, you know, uh, in a Shawn Michaels mold. In a lot of ways, Kurt Henning, I hear a lot. Yeah, Kurt Henning. Kurt Henning. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. And I mean, you need guys like that. That was his role. You need guys that can really make everybody look like a million bucks, and you can count on, and they're reliable, and they're really, really good. Um, not all, you know. You don't want to have. You want to have some of your really good workers in those roles. Just, just to, do. To me, what. what kind of his his lasting legacy for me and it's and it's not the world titles he's won or what have you but it was um the SummerSlam program with Goldberg somebody we brought up here a few times uh, a few years ago and and like you, you bring in Goldberg Goldberg has to be Goldberg but also when you're putting him up against Brock Lesnar and and those types uh he can't always win so he was kind of off of losing a, a few matches and they were bringing him back once again and it's like look we need Goldberg to get a win here. Who could we put him with? And they paired him with Ziggler, and it was perfect. And, yes. and Ziggler sold like a champ for him. It was hilarious. They opened SummerSlam a few years ago. And remember, yes. uh, he speared him like 
his soul came out of his body. And then he pops <laughs> after losing, he pops up, challenges him again. I wasn't ready. What have you? They, they do it again. And, you know, he does what he does best. He, he sells like a, a champ and it was great. And Goldberg got his Goldberg moment. And, um, you know, and that's what Ziggler does. And he was fantastic at it. So kind of like, in the mold of the Miz, but but I think in some ways better than the Miz. I think a better worker than, than the Miz. Maybe not as good on, on the mic as the Miz, um, but and and you maybe that, that's why those two have always kind of been um, very close. I think they share they share kind of a a mentality, a philosophy of wrestling. But um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hope whatever it is, I, I I hope they find a way to 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 keep him around in some capacity. I, I really like Dolph. You know, I don't see him as a guy who could contribute that much to the product on, on the top. But, uh, and, and I get that it, this isn't uh, a charity case. So if, if a guy who's been around 20 years and making a whole lot of money, you know, it might, might be tough to justify. Uh, as far as other people, what, what do you guys think about Riddle? Another guy who uh, for a while there seemed like on the fast track to, to superstardom, maybe got in his own way a lot and always came with a, a lot of baggage and it sounds like maybe this was even less about budget cuts or about WWE just kind of, you know, giving up and having up to here with, with Riddle. Yeah, I think the Riddle thing, I felt like the Riddle thing was something that will, even if there was no sale and there were no cuts happening, I think that one was happening. Like that was not even related to any kind of, I think that was just for cause. <laughs> they just yeah. had enough with the guy. Look, um, I don't say this lightly. I don't say it a lot, but he was a mess. The guy was just a mess. And um, he just seemed like, I don't know, uh, kind of a moron. I'm sorry to say this, but <laughs> it almost seems like his gimmick was not that far from who he actually was. I mean, you hear, you hear some not good things. I mean, there was that debacle at the airport right before he got let go. Stories about, you know, his his family and his personal life and just um he just and then you think about like well what's the upside because we all know you know in the business like there's always that double standard right people get third fourth fifth chances if, if you're valuable enough and i think it got to the point where they were just like is this guy really worth it what are we getting out of this you know he's like an upper mid carter they tried to boost him up with the bloodline stuff it didn't really take i, I think they were taking a shot at trying to make him like a solid main eventer. And I think they just thought like, it's just not worth it. It's just, just the guy has, we've had enough with this guy. That's all it came down to with him. I'm surprised it took that long to be honest with you. Yeah. And especially without Randy around, he really yep. suffered because the, the, the team was over very much. There's no they two were. ways about it. Team RKO. Oh, mm -hmm. what do they call them? I forgot. RK bro. RK bro. RK bro. Uh, they were hugely <laughs> over. They, they really were. And Randy was having a good time. And, and I think Randy probably was saving Riddle's job for a long time because Randy was really enjoying uh, uh, that act. Well, Randy not around and Riddle just, yeah, just being a pain, it sounds like. And what was more difficult was that, all this baggage you're talking about, and the guy was uh, ostensibly a babyface, and you know, not not that WWE is necessarily that much these days in in the business of like creating role models, uh, but in as much as that inevitably is is part of the job, he wasn't the greatest role model to to have out there for for kids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I just don't think I I don't think it was sustainable, and, and I guess they didn't think so either. Yeah, and, and Frank, any thoughts on on Riddle uh, getting the boot? I'm going to try to get yeah. some better Wi-Fi while you talk here. Yeah. Uh, simply, uh, it was 
marginally uh, or, or at least rumored to be um, in so many difficult difficult cases, difficult scenarios. Uh, like, of course, his name popped up in Speaking Out and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, uh, apparently nothing, uh, nothing has ever been proved about what he did or did not do. But, you know, that was enough to make to make it to make him look uh, not particularly uh, uh, how, how should I put it not particularly uh, interesting to me at least and uh, I, I I couldn't I couldn't really like try to like him <laughs> independently of whatever happened to him in storyline yeah RK bro where no yeah, RK Bro were over and stuff like that. But uh, no, uh, there was always like this shadow over him, at least at least in my eyes. And uh, in the last week when the, he got paired up with uh, Drew McIntyre, which is a guy that uh, I like a lot and respect and I had the chance to meet uh, a few years ago when he was out of WWE, um, there was a very, no- a very odd pairing because if... If you've ever heard of stories about Drew McIntyre, it was like the polar opposite of what you hear about uh, Riddle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the guy the guy apparently has an art of gold. He remembers the birthdays of everybody and he sends birthday wishes to everyone he knows. So, you know, this type of guy. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't... I think it wasn't a good fit to pair him with Riddle. And... Uh, Quite frankly, when I when I heard that uh, it was out of the WWE, uh, I was kind of relieved because of that. It says a lot that even you know even the UFC was relieved to get rid of him back in the day. Like there's comments yes. from Dana White saying like "good riddance" that kind of thing, or like we don't need him. And it's clear that this is a guy that just doesn't work work well with others. I don't know what the uh, how how best to describe it. He just doesn't, uh, he, he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I'm also reminded of not that this automatically makes him an awful person, but the kind of things you don't, you just don't see all the time. I remember there was that controversial thing he said about Goldberg. Do you remember, do you guys remember that where like, yeah, he basically buried Goldberg. He had never even met the guy and, you know, and, yeah. And then like Goldberg confronted him and it's actually on the Goldberg documentary that WWE made the spontaneous <laughs> moment where backstage at Mania or something, Goldberg confronted him and said something. And Goldberg came out looking like the baby face for sure. He said something like, you know, because he was like shaking everybody's hand and nice to meet you finally. And he comes up to Riddle and he's like, just, it was a very real moment. He's like, I, I would have liked to have said nice to meet you or, you know, get to know you, but I don't think I really want to do that. I think like that ship has sailed and I'm sorry. And Riddle was just had nothing to say, just completely dumbfounded and speechless, just completely embarrassed looking at him like a fool. And I think like it just speaks a lot to his character, like these kind of so many of these stories that you see and hear. It's just I I, I just you just get a very bad sense. Yeah. I don't know if you recall if you recall all the times that uh, Riddle called out Brock Lesnar, saying that he will be the one to put Brock Lesnar into retirement. And uh, I mean, of all the people that you want to <laughs> to uh, to uh, to nag, Brock Lesnar of right. all the people. Right. And apparently, Brock responded in some ways on fashion. I don't know, probably in the backstage incident, he said. <laughs> Said something like, 
who the hell do you think you are? You, you, you never say my name again. We're not on the same level. Right. Well, he come, he says these bizarre things in these these th these comments that come out, and you almost wonder like if he's under the influence of something when he's saying these things. Yeah. Which no, you know, you couldn't imagine somebody in a in a stable state of mind is just going to decide to say or post on social media. They're just bizarre things that he comes out with sometimes, for sure. Yeah, and and it's all a shame because uh, once upon a time, and and for a good reason, he really was looked at as one of these guys who were real prodigies, almost in a way like the uh, Kurt Angle, because you know he only came over to pro wrestling from MMA a few years back and um, really right out of the gate showed a, a, a real ability to, to do it and to entertain. Uh, but there was always this baggage that I think got in his way. I want to run uh, through the, the other names and, and, you know, jump in if, if you want in terms of, of anybody who stands out. Mustafa Ali, I mean, I think he, he's a guy who, who people see as having a, a, a big upside, maybe more than others, in part because he's still young and motivated to do more. Uh, Riddick Moss, Mason Mansoor, Rick Boogs, uh, the hit row guys who were let go, brought back, let go, and again uh, now <laughs> Elias, who they have been high on at at different times. Uh, Shelton Benjamin, another kind of a veteran, like um, uh, certainly like Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Aaliyah, who lays claim to the fastest pinfall win in, in WWE history, I believe. Uh, Emma, another one who was let go, brought back. Dabakato, who they've tried over the years, and uh, because the guy's just so big. Um, Dana Brooke, who, who's been around forever and never really got her footing. And sorry, uh, sorry if I interrupt, Al, but Dabakato was a row underground. Let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget that row underground existed. It, it wasn't a fever dream that we all had during <laughs> the pandemic. One that <laughs> I want, real. one that I want to mention, and I don't know why it just sticks in my head. Something about it is Hit Row. I find it to be so, um, I don't know. And look, I've been watching wrestling a long time. I know that this is the way pushes go and programs go. But to see their trajectory is sad to me because when they were presented in NXT, they really had an it factor. They seemed like a really cool faction when Swerve was still with them, especially. They were positioned very strongly. I thought that they're, I thought they needed work on the promos and things. I thought sometimes like, the 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 type of promos they were doing were not as cool as they seemed to think that they were sometimes but they they had a lot of potential and they came off like stars is what i'm trying to say and then they just completely fizzled out to the point of becoming a joke like literally top dollar was a joke on television i felt bad for the guy the way they would just yeah. openly mock him and i don't know i don't know it just seems like maybe I, did did Hunter see more in them than Vince did? I don't know what the story was there, but there seemed like it seemed like they really could have been stars. And then I mean, Swerve's doing great, but that faction just died. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how about you, Frank? Any and these names uh, jump out in, in particular as maybe missed opportunities? Uh, I've always been a big fan of Emma, and uh, I'm. Also, because of what she does outside of wrestling, she is a she. She has a particular skin disease, and she's a big advocate for this kind of stuff that are like, um, you know, uh, invisible disabilities or something like that. And uh, she she does a lot of charity work because of that. And that I was I was always attracted to that. 
um, and uh, I've always wanted her to do something bigger in WWE, as she did in Impact, for example. Uh, but that was never the case with her. And uh, I'm sorry, because probably a program between Emma and Becky Lynch, for example, would have been great. They're, they're both tremendous workers, and uh, they could have done a lot more with her. But yeah, she was brought back for no particular purpose, and, and it showed yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I mostly agree. You know, Elias is one that I look at. And, and you know, I can't tell you a, a good Elias match I ever saw, but the guy was entertaining. And, you yes. know, I, I think fit that uh, that part of WWE's kind of mission statement. Um, I, I even got a kick out of the Ezekiel stuff. So I think what he <laughs> did, he did well. But again, I get that this isn't charity and, and you can't just keep these guys around if, if they're not really contributing in a big way. Um, to the product as far as what becomes of these guys and this kind of goes back to the the edge conversation and aew you know starting to develop this reputation of um if you worked for wwe then we're interested so you know should should aew be jumping at all these guys or are there some that are better fits than, than others the the one that to me kind of jumps out that yeah i could see that is is mustafa ali um the others I don't know. You know, I I could see like them bringing in Shelton Benjamin for for some interesting matches. Maybe not like a, a a contract guy, but a guy who who you know could go in there and have some great matches with some guys. But beyond that, I mean, I don't see most of these guys as real good fits there. Yeah, maybe like Emma for Battle Royale or something like that in AEW. Um, yeah, but I mostly agree with you. Probably Dolph Ziggler is the only one that you could see adapt to some situations but yeah out of all the names on the list i'm not sure how many will be a good fit yeah one thing i'll say about ziggler going there i think that if i'm tony khan and you know there's those stories that like we even mentioned here earlier of of coaching issues in AEW and people not listening or people just the culture there just being guys want to do their thing if you want to have an, a coach that they will relate to and listen to and who could teach them a lot and that a lot of them probably respect the hell out of he's the guy and mm -hmm. i mean he's had he's had a long career in the ring that's something to really really consider that could be his role there i think he'd be a tremendous coach for talent in AEW and really help people polish their style and stuff and someone that they may actually listen to yeah, because he could work the style that that they're mm -hmm. used to, right? I mean, he he uh, he's not sort of like from a different generation. He he kind of bridges those those generations, and so he's stayed in great shape, right? And um, so yeah, I think maybe he's kind of in between. Uh, you know, there was some thought that that was the the role that they hoped that CM Punk um, would would play, and and clearly that didn't work out. And now there's some discussion of whether Edge is that guy, the veteran presence who is also kind of like uh the sensei uh in in the back uh but but maybe ziggler's a better fit for that so um we'll see what's the situation with his brother over there because was he there and then he got in some fight with with punk and then he's not there so uh i mean could, could you have like a nemeth brothers tag team over there you could i i think the issue was that he had mouthed off to punk and punk was like supposedly although punk denied this but that he was keeping him off tapings like collision and things like don't let that guy, you know, that guy, you know, isn't wanted here, that kind of thing. But 
But I, but I think now that Punk's gone, I, I think it's a non-issue. He, he's, as far as I know, still with the company. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think the world is clamoring for the Nemeth brothers tag team or anything like that. But I mean, he might want to go and be with his brother. I mean, especially yeah, his, maybe you know, help uh, yeah. develop his brother's career. You know, yeah. it could be just something on on the um, the wish list. So uh, we'll see. Um, okay, well, so we're, so not, we we're get... not taking into consideration one fact: What's that, that now the door is open for a Spirit Squad reunion. <laughs> who, who, who's out there? Uh, I know Mike Mondo <laughs> works some shows out here on Long Island. I saw a picture of him recently, and he was unrecognizable uh mikey and doesn't uh isn't isn't kenny an agent in wwe oh god i know he had been i'm not sure if he still is yeah yeah who else else is there (laughs) you know the story about kenny how kenny dykstra got his name it's like is it a lenny dykstra thing yes because brian gewertz is a huge mets fan and he literally just said, I'm going to name you after Lenny Dykstra. And he named him <laughs> Kenny Dykstra. That, that's how he got the name. Because because uh, Gewertz was like the head booker. And he was a huge, like, eight, you know, 80s Mets. Like the Davy Johnson Mets. And boom. I'm surprised he didn't have, like, Solly Backman as his tag team partner or something like that. You know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, real quick, we got to, uh, again, I'm not sure when people are going to be hearing this, but uh, there's a pay-per-view as as we're recording this uh, scheduled for Saturday, WWE Fastlane. I mean, they've had a, a few of these kind of off-brand pay-per-views, not the biggest in the world. Uh, main event, again, John Cena and uh, LA Knight against uh, Jimmy Uso and uh, Solo Sokoa, I believe. Um, uh, a couple things I want to talk about this. Uh, first, you know, LA Knight and now finally breaking into the, the main event scene. And, and Brian, we've talked a little bit about this. You know, certainly there are those who think this is the next guy um, and others may be less convinced. Uh, how important an opportunity is this um, for him? And uh, rubbing elbows with John Cena, what, what do you take even from that? I mean, and we, this is a formula we've seen in wrestling in the past, kind of the the endorsement and that that seems to be what the role they're having john cena play here is sort of like uh passing the torch so to speak to to um la night um you know it's can this work yeah i think it's great and i think i'm glad they're doing it he he you know he's worthy of it i think his age is irrelevant like we've said here before so he's 40 years old so what uh, he's not going to be on top for 10 years. Okay, great. You can get a few really great years out of him. Great. And and, and uh, people love him. And it's about time that WWE has had this reputation in recent years of they've stopped listening to fans. They've stopped listening to crowd reactions. And they've stopped caring about who's getting over organically, right? And he's a guy who got over organically. And you can't tell me, even though they've denied this, because for a while there, they seem to be really like holding back with him. Um, you can't tell me that they weren't waiting for those contract negotiations to be over. Cause I think that they were, I think they knew his contract was up. I think they wanted to see what kind of a renewal they could get out of him or if he even was going to resign before they really went like full force pushing him. And now they are. And I, I think it's great. I, I think it's, it, it reminds me of those days of, of like the, where the people like the, the Austins and and the Brian Danielsons who would get over organically and they would go with it instead of trying to fight it. 
Uh, he's he's got it all. He's got everything you could want. I, I noticed it in him years ago. I'm sure a lot of people did when he was Eli Drake and when he was in. Uh, I think he, he was in TNA, right? And, yep. and he was yes. in he was in the Global NWA, Force. right? Right, Global Force. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's a star. Like even then, I and I said the same thing about Ricky Starks too. But I but oh, I yeah. feel e- even more about um, LA Knight because he got a little more experience. I can't understand like Kevin Nash is trying to, I guess, you know, get headlines or whatever. He's been trashing him on his podcast. And one of the things that he criticizes is, well, he's like a knockoff of Austin and and the rock and all this. And I think, I mean, if you get over, you get over everybody borrows from everybody else. Like who cares? That was like one of the things I noticed about him that I thought was great. I was like, this guy is like a combination of Steve Austin and The Rock. Like he's taken L- – like I knew that from the beginning. I thought that was a strength. So I love to see the L.A. Knight push. I, I hope they go crazy with him. I I, w- I hope – he's not there yet, but I could even see them getting him to the point where maybe he's the guy that beats Roman at some point. Could be. Yeah, like this Like this didn't happen in wrestling before. I mean, like right. Hulk, Hulk Hogan is literally – uh, superstar Billy Graham, Graham yeah. <laughs> 2.0, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? What's wrong right. With Rick that? Flair was Buddy Rogers. I mean, everybody is yeah. somebody, you know, and you, you take what works. Uh, it's, it's not like he's like some type of like a tribute act or something, you know, nope. you take what works and you, and you go with it and you make it your own. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, I'm. Uh, and I not like sold the guy. on this. Okay, <laughs> I'm not sold on it, <laughs> and and it's not that I I don't like him. I I I like him. I really enjoyed him in the NWA, and I absolutely agree that if a guy organically gets over with with fans, you know, don't go against the tide. Go with it. You know, go with it. You know, whatever it is. That said, I do get the reservations uh, about the guy. I I do think in a lot of ways the act is kind of derivative. You know, it is and a little dated, right? Uh, but it it works, right? So I mean, who who am I to say if it if it works, it works. But uh, it it does feel uh, a little bit like a guy who came up in the Attitude era. And, um, and I think maybe even more so than than it was. I think he sort of moved toward those tendencies more than you know. I really enjoyed him in, in, in the NWA, but now I think it, it's become more about the catchphrases and the signature spots. And you know, it, it's. Um, but look, I enjoy it. I think it's fine. The age is a real concern. I mean, to have like the the, the hot new thing be forty years old um, is an issue, but it's not a reason not to do it. And, um, you know, 40 isn't 50. So uh, it, it, you you could, you know, ride this wave for a, a few years. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I think, well, look, you got two world titles. So uh, there's, there's plenty of main events to go around, I guess. They could get a lot of mileage out of him. Like, I don't, he's not going to be a guy that's going to carry the company and for like a whole era, like a Cena type. I get that, but he's somebody you can get. You can get a lot of good TV out of, good matches, good programs. Somebody that could be. I mean, look, even Austin himself was only, and this is partly because of injury, but was only the top guy for a handful of years. Yeah, you know, and 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 that worked. They got what they could get out of him. 
why not, you know, with somebody like him? I think like all the stuff you're talking about is exactly what WWE looks for in a wrestler. And I almost feel like that kind of is his gimmick that he came in a time machine from the attitude era and <laughs> and it but it works because it makes him stand out today because right. you know if yes. he was around if he was doing this 25 years ago he'd be like every other wrestler and i think he would be lost in the shuffle he'd be a mid-card act but now that he's here it's like oh my god this you're not like anybody else right now you you're you are this throwback and i think it's like i said i think it's a strength let me ask you this. It, it's January and we're coming up on the Royal Rumble and LA Knight is just growing hotter and hotter and hotter. And your WWE's plans are Cody and Roman at WrestleMania. But you can't deny that LA Knight is is super hot, maybe even hotter than than Cody. Do you shift uh, plans? Uh, you know, does does LA Knight jump the line and to me, that's kind of unthinkable, you know, and I think that's maybe where some of my reservations are, is that I feel I, I do worry. And, and again, there's two brands and two world titles and not even on the same brand. So it, it shouldn't be that much of a concern. Um, but LA Knight is on the same brand as Roman Reigns. Um, so I, I I do worry that we, we, you know, do they call an audible here and we never get the payoff that that you know, they kept on pushing off, uh, what do they call it? Finishing the story or whatever. And they yeah. just decide LA Knight's hotter than Cody. You want to go, Brian? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still not convinced that they're ever going to finish that story. Uh, no one can convince me of that. I'm very cynical about it. But um, I do, I definitely don't think that they should slot in LA Knight ahead of Cody. I think. It's a funny thing in wrestling. People talk about the age, the age, the age, the age. Um, Cody is two years younger than LA Knight. And yet, he definitely is a guy who has way more potential to be the guy. The guy you can, who could be the central face of the company and can carry the company. I think in some ways he already is, to be honest with you, yeah. even without the belt. Yeah. And I think there's the guy that you really want to invest more in long term than Knight. Um, but I think that, that again, like I said, it doesn't mean that LA Knight is like out in the cold. I think he could still be in the mix. I think he could work with Rollins or, or work for that belt. And I do, I do think it could be a situation when we don't have this need to have somebody hold a title for three years that you do have, like Cody could get it. Maybe Roman will win it back at some point and hold it a short time. And then maybe Knight will get it. Maybe then it can go back to Cody. Like you can move it around a little more where you've got like Cody as the guy and LA Knight as a guy that's in that mix. You know, you could have an Austin Rock situation at some point. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I, th I think so as well. I, I don't think I, I'm a little bit more optimistic than Brian is towards the finish the story <laughs> of Cody. Uh, I'm, Pretty sure they're gonna finish the story, and uh, and and Cody has a has a good track record of sticking up to his principles and uh, giving his word. And I think a couple of years ago, when he was still in AEW, he said that he wanted to wrestle until he was forty. So it's two years left, or or more or less. We'll see. We'll see if if we'll stick to to his word. But 
so so far it, it looked like he, he always did and uh so yeah that means that probably cody isn't a, a long-term champion if he's gonna respect that uh but yeah but we, we could move around the, the title situation a little bit more than what we we are used to in the latest few years yeah absolutely so, so prob- probably, yeah, you can have Cody as a champ then the night. That probably Sami Zayn as well will be put in the mix, at least I think. Or I think Zayn just- has absolutely plummeted in terms of his stock from earlier this year. And, you know, yeah. you know I, I know people will, will put it on, on WB kind of dropping the ball on and booking. Um, but I, I don't. I mean, I, I just think it's the reality that, that Zayn played – you know, it worked in that storyline, but as soon as he broke away from the bloodline and be, and became a babyface, not kind of like the the, the comic sympathetic heel uh, figure in mm-hmm. in the bloodline, it just doesn't work. And um, I, I, <laughs> I think the he's a terrific worker, but 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 I I think he was part of an ensemble that really worked. I think outside of it, I mean, it, it would any anybody seriously be talking about Sami Zayn as world champion today? Well, I think that was another thing that they blew because um, I, I don't, don't think they did. I think I, I think, think they what they could have right. done, what they could have done, just to get the most out of it and to create a moment, is if they weren't so hung up on this damn title reign never ending. Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying it should have happened immediately before WrestleMania, but have have Sammy beat him in front of that Montreal crowd, especially in hindsight. Now we know that it wasn't going to Cody. Cody wasn't winning it. Have Sammy beat him. And then Roman wins it right back. And he's the champ again, but you gave people that moment. You didn't, you didn't step on the fans face and kill their hopes and dreams for no reason. (laughs) Like, you know, you know what I mean? And that was the moment to do it. Like, I agree with you, Al, you can't really do it now. I, I think it's past, but that was the moment to do it. He gets it. Oh my God, I did it. I'm the champ. But then it's part of the bigger story of like Roman can't be stopped because then he wins it back. You know what I mean? Like it could have added to the story, especially if he was not going to lose it to Cody at Mania. But that moment has passed. Yeah, no, I I I, I put some of it on on Sammy. Not that he he did anything wrong, but but even he's talked about it. Even he said in in interviews that he he doesn't see himself as the guy in WWE, and I think it's just the reality. Right. No, I, kind of like the the role yeah. he played. And, and sure, you could have done it for a one-off pop in Montreal on on one night, but I don't I don't know that that's good wrestling booking. Um, and I also don't know realistically how how much people expected that. I mean, it was Roman Reigns should be Sami Zayn, and and he did. Um, and and, uh, and and I think it played out just fine because he had you know the uh, the tag team uh, main event at night one at WrestleMania with him and Kevin Owens. I think that you know. That that was a a great payoff. I mean, the questionable part again is is not putting the title on Cody, but I think all, all the parts relating to uh, how they played out with the Usos and Owens and Zayn worked out just fine. So I don't I don't have any qualms with mm-hmm. that. W- w- one last uh, uh, thing here, uh, uh, quickly, uh, John Cena. The other part of this main event uh, this weekend, he's become kind of a regular um uh, as of late. I think it has a lot to do with the, the Hollywood strike, and that's why we've also seen The Rock and even. Uh, Dave Batista has talked about maybe he being up for something, but now that <laughs> we'll, we'll see if they all dis- disappear now. But the upside is that we've gotten some some John Cena, um, but also 
it's weird. It doesn't feel as special as you, you'd think uh, it, it would feel. You know, I do feel like that that star has diminished a little bit, you know, and 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 I think part of it is, um, you know, m- maybe we just need to see Cena in, in the right uh, a circumstance. But when we last saw him at WrestleMania with Theory, it was an underwhelming performance. It, you know, Cena all but said, not that he's phoning it in, but at this level, his career, look, he's got a certain kind of match and that's what he's, he's going to do. So um, it does feel like it, as as great it is to have John Cena back. Um, you know what's really interesting is that he appeared on on the, that same episode that The Rock did, and it was so much a different in star power, right? I mean, like The Rock, it was like holy crap! You know, this is going to show up like on the evening news that The Rock uh, is is on WWE programming. Yeah, but The and Rock the John is Cena, the biggest. Like, oh, yeah, John Cena is there too. That's nice. But The Rock is the biggest celebrity on the planet. That's right. you, you can't ever forget that. Like, there's now a whole whole generations of wrestling fans who don't even remember him as a wrestler. They know him as Dwayne Johnson, the movie star. Like, I learned that harsh lesson teaching high school. Like, when I was, I had <laughs> students say to me, "Dwayne Johnson was a wrestler." Like, for real? <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of it. Um, My girlfriend asked me asked me that every time we go to see a The Rock movie. Yeah, she was, she's always like, "Wait, did he wrestle?" <laughs> but but that is part of it. He he's a huge star outside wrestling. Cena is a big a star outside wrestling too, but he's not the biggest star in the world. And the other difference is the reality. This is a fact. Cena was never bigger than The Rock ever, yeah. even though he had a longer, much longer run and all that kind of thing. And and he was never bigger than The Rock. The Rock was always a bigger deal and was always going to be a bigger deal coming back. Than, than Cena. And I think that's why you saw that happen. I mean, Cena was the last gasp of like what we were talking about, that era of where a star could be bigger than the brand. And he was sort of like, but he was like the diminished return after, you know, yeah. Hogan, then to Austin Rock, or, you know, you had Hart and Michaels and who were less. And Cena was like the last gasp of that, but, but the weakest uh, uh, compared to people like Austin Rock, Hogan, you know. Yeah, and I think it, it it him coming back at this particular time is is interesting because sort of sandwiched between The Rock, who um, I I think we all agree was a, a bigger star than him. But I thought that if you had that that Mount Rushmore, I know you hate Mount Mount Rushmores, Brian, but for the sake of argument, if you had that Mount no. Rushmore, <laughs> I I I've long thought that that Cena has earned his place on that Mount Rushmore of WWE because he did carry the company for whatever. What, it's 10, 15 years, but now, you know, sort of sandwiched between The Rock and Roman Reigns, who is his successor. And now it's sort of like, you know, John Cena for a long time was, well, he's the biggest star since the big stars, since the uh, Austin and uh, right. The Rock. And now you've got this comparison against Roman. And I'm starting to wonder, well, did he even mean as much as Roman does uh, now? You know, is, no. is, is he a not below Roman? I was going to say that. I think taking out the Hollywood aspect, I think Cena is definitely more mainstream now than Reigns. Just looking at the WWE side of things and their star power and, and and the level they got to within wrestling itself, I think Roman Reigns has now exceeded Cena in really? that. Yeah. In my mind, Roman Reigns is uh, uh, like uh, a durability, how long they were on top. And and you forget that that Cena was on top for a long time. You're talking like right. 05 to 16, something like that, 17. But we can't forget that half the audience really 
he had go away yep. heat with half the audience. It wasn't so much like Roman Reigns gets booed and catcalled because he's a heel and he's really good at what he does. Half the WWE audience was like, oh, my God, with this guy, how long are we going to have to deal with this? That you know, It's been romanticized now because he's the legend emeritus, but that was a big part of it. And I'm now comfortable saying that I do believe that Roman Reigns is the biggest star that WWE has produced since the Attitude Era. I can I would say that in my opinion. Yeah, and some of this I guess you you could measure. You know, um, you know th- there are there are metrics that that you could look at. You know, what Roman doesn't have yet is again the longevity that right. Cena has. And you forget that a, a lot of Roman's run um, as a top guy, he was hated more than Cena was. Right? I mean, right. As, as a babyface, because at any given time, Cena had the the women and uh, the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm really looking at the last, you know, like the the new, you know, the, the right. new era the, Roman the, the Reigns. Bloodline because, era, yeah. I mean, Roman has been great. Yeah. Because he's been and, there and, for 11 years now. I mean, he has had a really mm-hmm. long run. But these last few years, I think, is when he got over the top to the point where I can say what, you know, what I said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, but it is interesting that, you know, Cena being back, it, I, I would have thought it would feel more special than it does. I mean, do you agree with that, Frank? I think I disagree with with Brian here. Um, I don't think the uh, no, no the Rock. <laughs> I don't think that Roman Reigns has surpassed Cena in terms of popularity within wrestling itself. But probably this is more due to me having a, a different perspective than you than what you guys have in the U.S. Of course, uh, I, I speak for for Italy uh, mainly, but. All around Europe, I think that people still would would associate John Cena much more to the word wrestling in general than than they do with Roman Reigns. I think a very small portion of the audience here in Europe will know who Roman Reigns is and what he's done in the past few years. But again, they may be of, they may know that, about the Shield, yeah. maybe. But that's also because, like we were saying, Cena had so many more years to build that reputation. But I think like when I say what I said, I think it's because I'm looking at uh, right. Like what I'm trying to say is, yes, Cena had more longevity. He's going to be a more established name. There's probably plenty of people in this world who know Hulk Hogan more than any of these guys. And that was right. 40 years ago. But I think like right now, where Roman is right now and has been for the past three years is bigger than Cena ever was at any given moment in the years that he was there, in my opinion, um, if, if that makes sense. I think that WWE is bigger. I mean, yes, WWE right. now well, runs, WrestleMania now is always stadium shows. When Cena won the title was in front of 10,000 people or something like that. It was, it was yeah, in, the basketball uh, arena. Los Angeles. I cannot remember the name of the, the arena. But yeah, WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania 22 again was inside of, a, of an arena, and and so on and so forth. It's only like in really recent time that they started running at least WrestleManias and now SummerSlam too. It looks like uh, in inside inside stadiums. So probably it's more the brand. What we said earlier, more the brand WWE that has evolved more than the singular person. It's because seen is Italian, isn't it, Frank? Just, <laughs> just yeah. Around, so. yeah, of course. <laughs> Giovanni Cena. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, well, a good way to end it here. Uh, so uh, before we run, uh, uh, Frank, anything you want to promote? Uh, you want to tell people about your own podcast where they could follow you? 
Oh yeah, uh, my podcast, as I said at the moment, is on hiatus. Fun fact, because uh, the last the last episode I recorded was before WrestleMania 39, and I predicted that uh, Cody will win. Of course, he will win against Roman, right? And uh, then <laughs> I was so pissed off afterwards that I said, "Okay, no, I'm not gonna record any new podcast." No, just joking. But I I, I have I have so much so much uh, going on. Uh, in my professional life, not only just in wrestling, then I don't have time to constantly interview interesting people like you guys. Um, uh, so, yeah, at the moment, the podcast is on hiatus, but you can still find me on Twitter or whatever you call it nowadays, X, whatever, at LMW Podcast. Excellent. And uh, Brian, you want to tell them about uh, your endeavors? How's the, uh, the Gorilla Book coming along? Sure. Uh, my Gorilla Monsoon book, Irresistible Force, The Life and Times of Gorilla Monsoon, is uh, now I'm proceeding into the writing phase. And I actually got one last interview that I'm lining up with, with Cowboy Bill Watts, who's one of the last living people who really worked with Gorilla back in the early years of his career in the 60s. So he's someone I really want to talk to. But I've been getting a lot of great interviews. I've talked to like 40 people at this point. And I'm excited to really start putting the text together after months and months of interviews. Um, but that one is pro it's probably not going to be out for a while. So, you know, it's, it's going to take at least another year, year and a half, I think, before it's out on the market. But there's also Blood and Fire, my biography of the Sheik, which is out there and it's been out there for a while. And there's my podcast, my own podcast, Shut Up and Wrestle, which is at suawpod.com, as well as all the usual podcast places. And I've got an episode coming up with Gary Michael Capetta, which for oh, me is a really big deal, and he's got a lot of great stories and memories. So stuff like that people will find on my podcast. Um, so I hope they check it who, out. Who is your Mount Rushmore of wrestling ring announcers? All right. You know, when, when, look, when you do these Mount Rushmore things, it's like it this, because I'm, like, I am as pretentious as it sounds. I'm a wrestling historian and I really do a lot of research and I try to learn about different eras. So it's like you can do a Mount Rushmore of what you yourself have seen and known and as a fan experienced. And then there's the Mount Rushmore is if you really look at it objectively and try to learn who really was the best. You know what I mean? Like in my experience of watching wrestling, the best, oh, I hope Gary doesn't listen to this. The best, <laughs> the best ring announcer to me is Howard Finkel, the yep. one who was the iconic ring announcer. So he'd have to be up there. Now, because I, you know, my grandfather was involved with boxing and I know a lot about boxing announcers and because I've studied wrestling history, Jimmy Lennon is a guy, Jimmy Lennon Sr., who's always talked about as the greatest ring announcer historically in boxing and wrestling. And he used to do all the shows in California. He'd have to be on my list. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like those two guys, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I, 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 can I have like, you really sprung this on me. Yeah, we'll revisit. <laughs> yeah, but those two guys for sure. Howard Finkel and Jimmy Lennon Sr. would be two heads on my Mount Rushmore of ring announcers. I could Gary tell Michael people, Capetta was great. Gary yeah, Michael Capetta, okay, I'd put him. He'd be he he'd be on there for me. And it's not just because I just had him on the show. I <laughs> loved him. He I loved great. I loved him in WCW. I loved I love him on old the, the old WWF footage I've seen him on. I thought he was terrific. Uh, a lot of ring. That's the thing. A lot of ring announcers are just there. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're just, they're just, they don't, 
make themselves stand out or they make themselves stand out in ways that I don't like. Like I am not a fan. I feel like I'm going crazy, but I do not like Samantha Irvin. And that seems really? to be like wow. everybody loves her. <laughs> I, I don't like her. <laughs> yeah, I don't absolutely. like this. I don't like the yelling and growling, like the. I don't like. That kind of stuff. I don't know. I think, I think she's terrific. I think she's like so into it. I, I I just love how animated and into it she is. She uh, is into it. Yes, absolutely, yeah. she is. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, thanks so much, guys. B- before we sign off, do do want to take care of a little uh, business here. Uh, very much a, a downer, and uh, save this uh, to the end because Kevin can feel free to cut this out if, if um, he doesn't want it. But uh, our boss, our leader, uh, Kevin McElvaney, um, editor of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, suffered a horrible loss uh, this past week. His wife uh, passed away. She had been sick for some time and not exactly unexpected, something that, that he and uh, his family uh, had been uh, dealing with for uh, a long time. I think he's, he's addressed this on social media. So... I imagine he's okay with us talking about it. Uh, anyhow, we just want to send our our love, our condolences uh, to Kevin. Can't imagine what he's been dealing with over um, the uh, the last several months, but certainly the last uh, several days. You know, I, I think he found out about this the day that the PWI 500 dropped, and you know, getting bombarded with like hate mail about different rankings, and then uh, on the home front to be dealing with this. It's just been, I imagine, um, an unbearable few weeks for the guy. And uh, I think I can speak for everybody at PWI. We all love Kevin. Kevin's amazing. He's uh, an incredibly Absolutely. compassionate kind. I think you see it um, in the, the direction and the tone of the magazine since he took over from Stu um, a few years ago, a guy who just feels very deeply and um, cares about people very much. I think we see that in his uh, uh, dealings uh, with us. And I think he got a lot about a lot of that from uh, uh, Megan, who seemed to be even a nicer person, if it was if it's possible, um, than than Kevin was. And I know his North Star and his true love. And it's something that, um, you know, nobody would want to have uh, to face losing um, your spouse, but much less, at, you know, somebody as, as young as. Uh, the two of them are, and I'm sure we're counting on many more years together than they got. So uh, it's all to say, not to be that much of a downer, but but uh, Kevin, we're thinking about you. We love you. Um, yes. I'm sure all the everybody uh, listening to this and reading PWI uh, would would say the same. Drop Kevin a line on uh, social media. Uh, let him know uh, that you're thinking about him. Um, that's all for now. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening uh, to the PWI podcast, and we will be back soon.